Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Take a look back, maybe over this last week. <laughs> oh, but it was Christmas. How many thoughts did you have when you were with family and friends and things that, you know, and you thought, oh, what about them? Oh, and they drove me nuts, and oh, the traffic, and oh, the shopping, and oh, and just in this past, and then you take a look over this past year, and you think, oh, man, what about me? Oh, what about this? What about, how many of you are so glad that Jesus said it is finished? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. We, we're finishing up a series today we're calling Traveling Light, and, uh, and we've been talking about letting go of some things, letting go of some things that can steal and rob and, and, and really take away the true joy and the life that Jesus Christ offers us. And so some of the things that we talked about uh, letting go of was letting go of stuff. And again, we got a lot of stuff at Christmas, but how many of you know that there are times where we get bogged down by having to get all the latest and greatest stuff because we think that's the kind of stuff that's going to make us happy, only to find that uh, in January we got last year's model for Christmas and it's kind of outdated and now I want new. We can find ourselves wanting more. Or perhaps we, we talked about letting go of distractions. Some of you know there's a lot of distractions that happen in life, not only at Christmas, but all over the place. And then there's bitterness, and we talked about letting go of bitterness. And then last week we talked about letting go of control because we all have control issues of some kind. And today as we approach a new year, as we're getting ready to leave 2019 behind and we're looking ahead to 2020, by the way, we're leaving not only a year behind, but we're leaving a decade behind. We're about ready to start not only a new year, but a new decade And so what I wanted to to talk with you about in terms of traveling light and letting go in order for us to to enter into this new year and this new decade is letting go of the past. Letting go of the past. There's a lot of things in our past. There's a lot of mistakes, failures, as the skit was talking, a lot of sins, a lot of things that can begin to pile up, a lot of guilt and a lot of shame and a lot of stuff that can begin to creep in. But if we're really going to take hold of what the Lord Jesus Christ has for us and what God has for us, we've got to ha- we, we need to learn how to let go of some things in the past so that we can take hold of that for which Jesus Christ is calling us heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's what we've got to do. We, in order to start fresh, we, we've got we've to learn to let go of some things. And so uh, as we begin to reflect and as we begin to dream about the future, because that's what we do during this time, isn't it? We begin to reflect on the year gone by, the decade gone by. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've seen all kinds of things posted about there was this, the best of this over the last decade, and the best of this over the last. And we're probably going to see that in the next couple of days leading up into New Year's. And some of those are highlights. Some of those are good memories that we want to hang on to. But how many know there are also some painful things? There's also some some things that we we don't want to hang on to. We've got to learn how to let go if we're going to truly move in to what the Lord has for us. Because although we can't change our past or the events of our past that have an impact on us, how many of you know the Bible says that God can change our future? God can change our future. 
I'll tell you a little story about Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong was, again, the first man to set his foot on the moon. We know that. And, uh, but long before that momentous occasion, Neil Armstrong was a dreamer. In fact, from early childhood, as early as the age of two, he had fallen in love with airplanes. He loved airplanes. He would just dream of airplanes. If he had a little airplane, it was all around. He just loved airplanes. He made model airplanes as a child, and at the age of 14, he got a small job at the age of 14 at a, at a small airport. That was his first job at an airport. He worked 22 hours to earn $9. And $9 was exactly what he needed for one flying lesson. So he would work 22 hours so that he could earn $9 so that he could take a flying lesson. One day, a 20-year-old friend of his who was also taking lessons crashed in a field, and Neil ran out to help him out of the cockpit, and his friend died in his arms. This was a challenge. It was a challenge to the dream in his life, the very thing that from the very age of two as he fell in love with planes and at the age of 14 when he began working at that small airport to earn enough money to be able to take flying lessons, all of a sudden a tragedy had taken place, a tragedy of a friend, a tragedy that involved flying, the very dream that he had, and he had a decision to make, and that night his mother came into his room and she saw Neil with a, a, an old Sunday school notebook and a picture of Jesus on the cover. And next to it was his model airplane. And she asked him, Neil, what have you decided about flying? And he said this, with God's help, I must go on flying. And he did. He went on to fulfill his dream. We know that. He went on to fulfill his dream beyond even any of his own expectations. But in order for him to move forward, he had to get beyond the painful experience, the painful tragedy that had taken place. He had to learn how to move on from that. Friends, there is no... There, there is no end to the painful obstacles and the challenges that will come when God is calling you forward to fulfill a dream that he has for your life. To fulfill something that God has put in your heart, there is no obstacle. There, there is no end to the obstacles. There's no end to sometimes the painful things that come. There's no end to sometimes the times where you try and you fail. And if those kinds of things are in your way and you don't know how to, to let go of the past, it can hold you back from embracing the very thing that God has called you to. In fact, millions of people know the story of Joni Erickson Tata, who as a teenager broke her neck in a diving accident. She became paralyzed and she felt like her life was over. In fact, she said that at one point that if she could have, if she was able to do so, she would have taken her own life. She thought her dreams were over. She thought she was forced to live in a nightmare. But as you know, now today she has a worldwide ministry. She has a worldwide ministry, a ministry that, it, that encourages people who are handicapped and those who are not, encourages us by movies and books and song and radio and art. Why? Because she had to take a painful experience and not allow that painful experience to determine who she was or what she could do, but rather she had to allow the Lord to move. She's one of now the most creative people on the planet, even though she's severely handicapped. And although she had that terrible experience and pain, God has used it, and now she proclaims God's grace can overflow from a half-broken cup. How many of you are glad God's grace can flow from a half-broken cup? Amen? Some people here, you're broken in body. 
2019 has not been what you ever thought it was going to be, and there have been things that have happened in your physical body, diagnosis, those kinds of things that have happened, and as you look forward to 2020, there's a lot of question marks. There's a lot of question marks. Some of you may have lost your job before the end of the year, and as you look forward to 2020, that painful experience, you're saying, well, what does this hold for me? For some of you, it might have been a broken relationship. It might have been some kind of a, a problem that have happened. For others, you've had great things that have happened, and so you're looking ahead going, boy, I wonder in anticipation, what does this next year hold for me? Whether it's good or whether it's bad, the, the, the choice that we have, all of us, is what do we do with the past? What do we do with the past? What do we do with the past? Some, the problems that we have are really directly related to choices that we've made to disobey God and to sin, facing the consequences of some of those decisions that we've made. Sometimes our past failures and mistakes can impact us deeply and hold us back from experiencing the future that God has for us. Here's the funny thing about our past, though. How many know that our past doesn't always stay in the past? As much as we try, the past doesn't always stay in the past, except that's not so funny, is it? Maybe for some of you, it's the problem of losing your temper. You've said some words to a loved one that you wish you could take back, and yet you can't. Maybe for you, it's matting, reoccurring, ongoing cycle of sin where you say, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I, I did. It just happens. Maybe it's you've been betrayed by a spouse, and no matter how many steps you try to take forward, you can't seem to ever really move in that way. You seem stuck. Maybe it's the expectation you had for yourself about how you thought this was going to go yourself years ago. This is the, the I thought life was going to be like this, and it isn't, and I woke up, and oh my goodness, now this is the life that I have. How did I get here? The past doesn't always stay in the past. It's almost like a door, and although we can't walk back through that door, the bitter cold wind that blows through that door, we're reminded of all the things that we've done. If anybody ever understood this, it was one of Jesus' closest disciples by the name of Peter. Anybody remember Peter? Peter was one of those guys, right? He was one of those guys that, that shot from the lip <laughs> without thinking, right? There were, there were times where Peter just, he would just move forward without even thinking. That's one of the things we love about Peter. Peter was one of those guys that just, hey, I'm not going to stay in the boat. If that's you, Jesus, tell me to come out onto the water. I'm getting out on the water. We said, man, Peter was a guy that walked on water. Peter's one of those guys that just, man, Jesus, who do people say that you are? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Woo! And we're like, yeah. And then there's other times where you're like, Peter, 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 you should have thought about that first. <laughs> Peter, what are you saying? Peter, why did you say that? Peter, why, why? Peter was one of those guys in particular that, that understood. Again, he had, he had many, many things that have happened in his life, but there was one major in particular that, that had the potential of keeping him from moving forward in the, in the plan that Jesus had for his life. The event took place uh, after he had been walking with Jesus for more than three years. Peter with the rest of the disciples, he's there the night of the Last Supper, he's there and they, they've gathered together to celebrate the Passover together, the disciples are all there, and, uh, and again, that same night, later on, Jesus was going to experience being betrayed, he'd go to trial, he'd be crucified, but at this point, he's with his disciples, he's with them all together. And Matthew chapter 26 and verse 31 begins like this, Jesus says, it says this, then Jesus told them, 
This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go on ahead of you into Galilee. And here's Peter. Peter, Peter is just, he, he is all gung-ho. He says this. He replies, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. We often forget that, that all the other disciples were taking their lead from Peter. Oh, no. Hey, we're with Peter. We're not going to do that. We're, with, we're not, we're not going to disown you. We like to, to pick on Peter. But he wasn't the only one. He was just the most vocal. Sometimes there are some of you, you're not the only one. You're just the most vocal. That's me. Peter and I, we get along quite well. You just, it, never, I'm not going to disown you. Wouldn't be me. And it says this, it, go, it continues. When Jesus looked at his disciples, he said, some of you will deny me and some of you will desert me. And Peter, again, who was never slow to speak, said, what? No, Lord. Even of all these other people, all these others, even if they betray you <laughs> or deny you, I won't. And he went as far as to declare that even if I have to look at death in the face itself, I won't deny you. Peter didn't have to look at death in the face to deny Jesus though, did he? Come on, if you've been around church forever, you know the story. You know what happened. Jesus later goes in the garden. Peter goes with him. Jesus goes off to pray. He, Peter and James and Joseph are with him. They fell asleep. Peter comes back. Er, Jesus comes back. He's like, come on, can't you even tear with me one hour? And he goes back to pray. And he comes back, and they're asleep again. And, and, and he couldn't even stay awake. And then all of a sudden, this, the, the, they come in to arrest Jesus, right? And there's Peter. And initially, Peter's bold, right? He, he whips out a sword. He tries. He's a terrible swordsman, by the way. He, 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 he went for the head and cut off the ear uh, of the high servant's you know, and Jesus is like, whoa, put that thing away. That's not what we've come here for, right? Initially, there's a boldness, but later on, there's not such a boldness. And the later on, he's there by a fire outside of the trial, and Jesus is in the trial, and, and he's going through the trial, and Peter's, he, Peter's close enough. He's near enough, but he's not in, and there's a fire to keep warm, and he's there, and, and there's a young slave girl warming her hands by the fire, and she says, hey, wait, I recognize you. You were with Jesus, right? He says, no, 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 not me. You must be mistaken. I'm not one of them. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Somebody else come. Wait a minute. No, I hear your accent. By your accent, you're one of those guys. You were with him. We, we think we've seen you. No, no, it wasn't me. I wasn't with him. I'm not one of those. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know the man. And then a third time. No, no, no. I, I believe it. I think I know you were with him. I know you were with that man. Jesus, on trial right over there. No, you must be mistaken. It's not me. I don't even know him. And the Bible even says he cursed. And then what happened next? Luke 22, starting in verse 60. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and he looked straight at Peter. And the Peter remembered the word of the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept. Bitterly. I want you to imagine Peter with me for a moment. Can you imagine if you were Peter? If you were in that moment, if you were Peter and the Son of God is standing on trial for something he didn't do, 
He was one of your closest friends. You had been brought into the inner circle. Jesus, you know, had committed no sin. You know he had done nothing wrong. You know that there was jealousy and there were, there were other problems that had led to this. And you were one of his closest friends. And you stood up and you said when he predicted this was going to happen, you said, not me. Not me, even of everybody else. Not me. I'm not going to deny you. No, not me. And then all of a sudden you're standing there. One. Two, he didn't think about it the first two times. The third time, all of a sudden, the rooster crowed. How many know that there are some times where there are sounds that trigger memories? There, there are sounds, there are smells that trigger memories. Some of you had it this Christmas as you walked into a house, and there was, there was a scent that came in, and it just brought back a flood of different memories that had happened. Memories that happened, floods that happened, things that trigger. And the rooster crowing was a trigger. And all of a sudden, Peter looks up because he wants to see, has anybody seen what's going on? Does anybody know? And there is Jesus staring back at you. Can't get away from it. You know he knows. There's no hiding it. You know he knows the countless miracles and the things that Jesus had done, and yet there he is. And, and how would you have felt in that moment? I don't know about you, but I would have felt guilt. I would have felt guilt. I think guilt is one of those powerful emotions. I can't believe I did that. How did I do that? Why did I do that? How did I get here? I said I wouldn't do that, and then that's the very thing that I did. How do I do that? Guilt's a powerful thing, isn't it? How about shame? Oh, if anybody else, where are the other disciples? I was the one saying, even if all of them scat, it's me. Oh, man, I hope they don't find out what's going on. I hope nobody else finds out about this. Oh, shame. Shame is just one of those things that can keep you captive because shame makes you hide. It says, I, didn't, I don't want anybody else to find out what I've done. How about regret? Boy, I wish I could take that back. I wish I could do that over again. If I had that to do over again, how many would like a do-over in 2020? You look at 2019, things that were said, things that were done, actions that were taken, decisions, you go, oh boy, I, I hope 2020 is a do-over. Why? Because regret. Regret is a powerful thing, isn't it? All of these are those kinds of things. And while you've never, maybe you've never experienced personally that look from Jesus before, you've experienced, some of you, that look of a loved one, you've, uh, the, of a friend that you've been talking behind their back and then somebody else went and told them and they found out about it and you realize they found out about it, the guilt, the shame, the regret. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe you've experienced that look before. The truth is our past, although we can't go back to it, continues to speak to us. And it's one of the most powerful tools that our enemy, who is a thief, who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, it's exactly what he's come to do. He uses our past. He uses those past mistakes. He uses the guilt, and he uses the shame, and he uses the failure, and he uses the regret, and he uses those kinds of experiences, the painful experiences, and he begins to whisper in our ear about where we're headed and about what the future looks like and about what you can expect. And I want you to know he is never a glass half full kind of guy. He's a glass half empty. The only time he's a glass full kind of guy is when he's convincing you to do something that Jesus said not to. Then he says, oh, hey, hey, if you do this, you're going to be like God, knowing good and evil. That's what he said to Eve. Life is going to be better. Oh, that death thing? Oh, not that. That's the only time he's glass half full. Otherwise, he's glass half empty. 
No, it's not going to work out for you. You're never going to amount to anything. You can't do that. Oh, you're past. Look at that. You think that's what God has for you? Oh, all those thoughts you've thought, all those sins you've committed, all those things you've done, all those lies you've told. What if somebody finds you? can't do that. You can't follow Jesus. You can't. You, you can't do it. Look at that. You got too much debt. Look at that. You can't get out of debt. Don't even try to make a New Year's resolution. Wait. <laughs> Getting healthy? Oh, my. Don't even try to do that. You can't do that this year. You've tried that before and failed over and over. What makes you think you can do that right now? What makes you think you'll ever amount? Spiritually, you're going to try to read the Bible through this year? You're going to try to be better in your devotions? Hi, you tried that last year. You can't do that. You, you can't. See, don't you feel guilty because you didn't do that. You can't, you're not going to be able to do it. But see, that's the enemy whispering our past. Oh, you can't. You can't. You can't. You won't. He doesn't love you. He doesn't care about you. He, he doesn't forgive you. Oh, he would never forgive that. That's the unforgivable sin. Whispering lies. In fact, there are three lies the enemy says about our past. First, it says you're unforgivable. You're unforgivable. You've done too much. What you've done has affected too many people. What you've done is too deep. God can never forgive you. But make no mistake about it, King David understood that. He understood guilt. He understood what that was like. In fact, he said this in Psalm 38, 4, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Anybody ever felt that before? Guilt, regret, and shame. They can affect us in so many ways. There's a debt that we, we just feel like we owe, and it's too great. And it plunges us into the place where we feel the burden is too heavy to bear. But the enemy doesn't stop with, oh, that's unforgivable. The second lie, he says, you're unlovable. Nobody could ever love you. If they really knew who you were, they wouldn't be able to love you. They can't love you. Usually that, that kind of begins with the, the lie. Oh, if people really knew what you said to your spouse, if people really knew the way you acted, if people really knew what you were thinking, if people really knew the real you, they wouldn't love you. So the first lie centers on guilt, and the second lie centers on those feelings of shame. If they only knew the real you, how many know that shame is a trap? Shame is a prison, friends. In Genesis 3, 7, we see shame at work. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made covering for themselves. Why? Because shame is a powerful thing that causes us to isolate and causes us to hide. And when Adam and Eve sinned against God, the shame of their nakedness led to, to shame in, in one another, and they were all of a sudden self-conscious. But they, instead of being open and transparent, they were focused to cover and hide. And that's the problem with shame. When the Lord wants us to come and to be as we are, come as you are, we go, oh, I can't. i got to hide this part of me. Oh, I can't. i got to try to keep this back. Oh, I can't. And that, that, that inability to be transparent affects our relationships and affects us moving forward. It causes us behind, hide behind masks. Because we don't fear, we fear, maybe I won't be loved. Maybe they won't accept me. If I act like this, if I stand for this, if I do this, maybe somebody won't love me. Maybe they won't accept me. So these lies, you're unforgivable, you're unlovable, they plunge us into the, the next lie which says this, you are useless. You can't be used by God. You're useless. Because of what you've done in the past, you can't be used by God. You have no future. God can't use you. God, God can't do that. How could you ever be a part of a healthy family with all the things that you've done in your past? God wouldn't allow you to, to have a healthy physical body because of the choices you've made in your past. God, how could God ever use a person like me? And our enemy just continues with the, to, to just 
blow in the lies and the lies and the lies and the lies to hold us captive. But here's the problem. If we can't let go of our past, we can't take hold of the future that God has for us. If you can't let go of your past, you can't grasp the future that God has. So as we enter into this new year, as we enter into this new decade, as we enter into 2020, Jesus doesn't want your past holding you back from the future that He has for you. Jesus wants each and every one of us to let go of the things that have been holding us back, those things that have been dragging us, those things, that, those lies we believe, the guilt and the shame and the pain and the failure. He, he wants us to begin to say, you know what, i got to leave that go. I've got to let that go so that I can embrace what God has for me. And how do we do that? How do we know it's true? Well, I think it's what we see. How did, how did Peter respond? How did Jesus respond to Peter in this failure? What happened? How did he respond to him after the resurrection? And that's what we want to kind of fast forward a little bit because there's an interesting story that takes place. And again, Peter denied knowing Jesus, and then uh, Jesus died on the cross. The resurrection happened. Peter, he runs to the tomb. He wants to know, is it true? And Jesus appears to all the disciples that are up there and all of that. And wow, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And in a moment, it's joy. Woo, Jesus is alive. But then it's, oh, Jesus is alive. <laughs> Hold on a minute. I betrayed him. <laughs> I denied him. I denied even knowing him. And he, he looked right at me. He, he knows what I did. He knows what I did. Oh, and you think, boy, did that really affect Peter? Did that affect Peter at all? Well, let's take a look at a, a particular story. Because what, what happens is one day, Peter and the other disciples, they, they decided that they were going to go back to doing what they did before they met Jesus. Before Jesus had invited them to follow him, before Jesus had placed a, a call on their lives, if we look in John chapter 21, and that's where we're going to take a look, if you look at John chapter 21, you see that one day Peter looked at the other disciples, the scripture says, and he says, hey, you know what, I'm going fishing. And they said, hey, we'll go with you. Not only the ones that were fishing, but even some of the other ones, if you read, they're like, okay, let's go fishing. We're all just going to go fishing. Some of you go, what's wrong with fishing? Well, there's really nothing wrong with fishing except that we see a very similar story to the one that we looked at last week when we talked about letting go of control. And when we talked about that last week, we said that, that Peter and James and John and Andrew, they were out on the boat. They had been fishing all night, and they had caught absolutely nothing. Remember the story? And, and they had come in, and it was, it was morning, and they had come in, and it was the daytime, and they had caught, that was their business. They had caught absolutely nothing. They were washing their nets. They thought they were all washed up. Jesus comes by. He begins preaching. He says that the crowds are pushing in on. He gets in one of their boats. He pushes out a little bit. And then while he's there, he says to Peter, hey, you know what? Why don't you throw your net out to the other side? And Peter says, whoa, whoa, whoa. I know you're good at the spiritual stuff, but I'm good at the fishing stuff, all right? So, uh, but you just got to know that, that it's the middle of the day, and this is not the time we fish. But nevertheless, because you say so, I'll do it, right? Remember the story from last week? And he threw the net over the side of the boat, and there was a bigger catch than what they could ever do. And they came in, oh, I'm a sinful man. What do I do? Right? So before they were called, they were fishing. And where was Peter now? Well, the Bible says that, that, uh, that Peter decided he was going to go fishing. Some that I read, some commentators, some kind of thought that maybe Peter was saying, you know what? I don't know if this discipleship thing, I failed as a disciple. I don't know if this discipleship thing is for me. I failed Jesus. 
I tried this once before. I tried to follow him, and then I really just kind of messed up, and I kind of denied even knowing him, and kind of got it, you know, and, and, and now Jesus is back, and I don't know. I'm the kind of guy that Jesus wants to use. Jesus probably needs to get some new disciples, so you know what? I'm going to go out, and I'm going to do what I've always done. I'm going to go back to fishing. I'm just going to return and do what I did before. How many of you know when we, when, we're, when we got this gap, when we got a problem between us and Jesus, we start going back and doing the things we did before. We start doing some of the things we did before. You start recognizing that. If you open up your eyes, you'll start recognizing. When I got a problem with my relationship with Jesus, oftentimes I start going back and doing the things I did before I met Christ. It's a lot easier to go back and do those things. I go back to my default. And they, so they were, they were, they were fishing, and, and, uh, and Jesus appeared on the shore. Here, we're going to pick up the story in verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. How many of you know sometimes we don't always recognize when Jesus shows up? Just want to say that. That's a little extra. And he called out to them. Listen to what he says. Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. <laughs> Doesn't that sound familiar? Wait a minute, I think we've been here before. I think this is one of those Groundhog Day moments, right? Remember, you've seen that movie before, Groundhog Day, yeah. I think we've been here before. I think this is, throw your net on the right side and, and, uh, and, and, and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul in because of the large number of fish. And again, that similar control, that similar thing, when I'm trying to control it, when it's in my hands, I, oh man, I make a mess, it's empty, I got nothing, I'm, I'm available when I listen to Jesus. When I let go and listen to Jesus, man, there's fruitfulness beyond what I can bear. So once again, that's where they're at. They're out there, and man, they, he says, throw it over, and man, it just, it reminds him of that time and, and when he had called them, when he said, listen, I've called you. You're, you're not to fish for fish anymore. I have called you to be fishers of men. I've called you to be my followers. I've called you to be my disciples. I've called you to something new. I've called you to something different. And what it signals is, my call on your life hasn't changed. I know that many of you scattered. I know that some of you denied even knowing me. I know that some of you hid. I know that some of you thought that when the, when the, when the darkness had descended and when death had come, that that was the end. But I am the resurrection and the life, and there is something new. And Jesus shows up on the shore, and he's reminding them, listen, you might be frustrated. You might be fatigued. You might have failed. Your past might be in your ear, but you need to understand something. I've got a future for you, and it isn't finished yet. Peter felt like he had failed. Why did he go back to fishing? Man, I couldn't stand up for Jesus in that moment. How am I going to stand up for him in ministry? How can I stand up for Jesus now? Three times I was too worried about saving my own skin. But watch what happens. Verse 7, John 21, 7. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard, the, the, heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he'd taken it off, he jumped in the water. And the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with the fish on it and some bread. Again, what do they, they experience this amazing catch. And when Peter realizes it, he forgets about the catch. How I many you know the things that you think are important are no longer important when Jesus invites you in? He readjusts our priorities. There are some things that are just no longer that important. 
the catch that they went out for is no longer as important as coming to shore and seeing Jesus. And when they do, they see that Jesus is there on the shore. They see, what do they find? They see he's prepared a, a fire and there's breakfast waiting. <laughs> there's breakfast waiting. What's Jesus doing? He's inviting them back into relationship. There's something significant about breaking bread. There's something significant about a meal. There's something significant in which we're invited in to a meal. He says, listen, you guys are out doing that. You think it's done. The past is whispering in your ear, but I'm inviting you back into fellowship with me. Some of you need to recognize this. There are some of you, you've been on the outside. I don't know why you've chosen to come to church today. Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe somebody guilted you into it. Maybe you felt like you had to. Maybe it's a part of some New Year's resolution. But your past has been creeping up. And you once knew Jesus. You kind of walked away from Jesus. And you think, well, maybe that part's done. Maybe that's over. Maybe I messed up or whatever it is. But I'm here to tell you that just like with Peter, James, and Don, Jesus is inviting you in today. He's inviting you in. He's inviting you in. He's inviting you to a, to a meal. Peter was the first one to arrive. In John 21, 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Look at this awkwardness. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. You know, what I gather from this is this was kind of one of those awkward meals. You ever have one of those awkward meals where there's like an elephant in the room, nobody really wants to talk about it? So they kind of come in and they're thinking, okay, Jesus, what have you shown up here for? You have this breakfast, you, you have this fire, and if you're Peter, you're thinking, oh boy, there are some things that are triggers for me. And I, I happen to think that probably a fire is one of those triggers, since that was one of the times when he denied Jesus was by the fire. I kind of think, you know, the rooster was one of those triggers immediately, but all of a sudden you come back on shore, and what do you see? You see Jesus, and where do you see him? You see him through the fire, and all you can think of, and all you can see is what happened in the past when you denied Jesus, and the rooster crowed, and you looked up, and there was Jesus staring at you through the fire, and now once again, where is Jesus? He's staring at you through the fire. And there's kind of an awkwardness. There's an elephant in the room. What's going to happen? What's he going to say? What's he going to do? Where is this? And it's kind of uncomfortable. And we don't have a whole lot of dialogue at this point. No one dared to ask him. There's kind of this, this kind of, oh boy, what, what happened? Is Jesus going to bring up the past? Is Jesus going to put it in my face? What's going to happen? Is Jesus going to lecture me? What's going on here? And the, the shame and the guilt, I can imagine, the regret, all of those things are there, and yet Jesus has invited them to a meal, but it's kind of uncomfortable because there's something in the way. And Jesus recognized it, so this is what he does. This is what he does in verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What did Peter say? Even if everybody else denies you, I won't. I won't. Do you love me more than these? After the fact, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. But it doesn't stop. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And a third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And look at Peter was hurt. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And this time he says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. There's a lot going on here, friends. There's a lot going on in this passage. There's a lot going on. In fact, I don't know about you, but, but I, I think that if, if, I'm, if I'm Peter, if, I, if I'm looking at this, I'm thinking to Jesus, I'm thinking, Jesus, man, you just like rubbing it in. <laughs> Why, why you keep bringing it up? 
why you keep bringing it up. You just, keep, you just like to rub it in. Friends, I just want to caution before we get started. Jesus is not rubbing it in. Jesus does everything intentionally. You say, but wait a minute, Peter was hurt. Listen, if you, if you need surgery, the doctor will cut you and will hurt you in order to provide healing for you. Jesus is the great physician. There are some times where there's got to be some things that hurt in order for him to be able to root out some of those things that are holding you back. His intention is to provide healing. His intention is to provide hope. Why? Because he loves you. But sometimes the way that he loves you is he's got to bring you through something painful. He's got to confront you. He's got to get something in front of you so that you go, oh. Because we don't like to deal with it. We like to hide. We like to just brush it under the rug. We like to just, well, can't you just forget about that? Do you have to bring that up? Why do you have to bring that up all the time? Why can't you just leave that alone? Why do you got to keep talking about that? Why can't you just leave that alone? And there are some times where we got to stop talking about some things. But there are some times where we talk about things because we haven't truly faced what the real problem is yet. Some of us like to hide, and we just want to brush it out of the way, and we don't want anybody to talk to us about the problem because we don't like to hear about the problem. We only want to hear about the good things. So we try to get everybody, just shut up, 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 just shut up. And we want to shut up, and you want Jesus to shut up. And Jesus is saying, no, I can't shut up until you're willing to hear and own this. Until we get through this, we're never going to move forward. Until we deal with this area of your past, we're not moving forward. And so I love you enough that even though it hurts and even though it's painful, we're going to deal with it. Some of you need to stop running from Jesus. You got to stop using the judging excuse. I just feel judged all the time. No, it's called convicted. Judging is what happens when you don't deal with the conviction. If you don't deal with the conviction, you will stand before one day. You will stand before the throne of God. I say that as truth. We deal with the conviction. How do you respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Notice what name he uses. Not just his first name. And he doesn't say Peter. He says Simon. Simon. But then he says Simon, son of John. What's he pointing out here? He's pointing out here that he is, he is Simon. What is Simon? Shifting sand, right? This is who you are. This is, this is who you were. This is who you are. Simon, son of John, son of who? Son of your father, John, son of the flesh. This is who you were in the flesh. Simon, son of the flesh. In the flesh, Simon, do you love me? In your flesh. In your flesh. He, he, he's wanting to deal with the human sinful condition. He's wanting, wanting to deal with the shifting of positions. He's wanting to deal with the fear and the insecurity. And so he, he starts not with Peter, not with the name that he has given him, but he starts with Simon son of John. And he asked him these series of questions. Do you love me? Do you love me? Lord, you know I do. Well, wait, hold on, hold on. Do you love me? And there's some that have said, Jesus says, uh, uh, do, do you agape me? And Peter says, I phileo you and twice. And then the last time, do you agape me or do you phileo me? And then Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know I phileo you. And there's a whole lot of things in there as whether John uses those words transferably or whatever it is. That, that's not what I want to get into. What I want to get into is the fact that what he's trying to drill down on is Peter, through the guilt, through the shame, through all of that, where are we at? Where are we at in our relationship? Where are we at? Where are we at? 
See, in your flesh, you fail. In your flesh, you make mistakes. In your flesh, you sin. And you say, but do you, do you love me? Do you love me? How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three, how many times did Jesus ask him, do you love me? Three, see, there's a, there's a method, there's a reason. He's starting to, to say, I'm going to pull you out of the shame. I'm going to pull you out of the guilt. I want to pull you out of those things in your past that are holding you back. Because Jesus is far more concerned with lasting healing than short-term feelings in our life. Kind of like when I was a kid and I used to fall and scrape up my knee, my mom would put that, that, that hydrogen peroxide on there, you know, that stuff that would bubble up. And they'd always say, it doesn't burn. Right? It doesn't burn. Anybody been there before? Yeah, it doesn't burn. Uh-huh, it burns. I'm just saying, if there's any kids, it doesn't burn, kids, all right? It doesn't burn. All right. <laughs> it just bubbles. Why? Because it's got to clean it out. There's got to be a healing and a cleaning it out. So how do I just, I just want to close with just a couple of quick things. How do we, how do we let go of the past? As we're getting ready to face 2020, as we're getting ready to face a new year, a new decade, how do we let go of the past? Number one, you've got to close the door. You've got to close the door. You, you can't let the enemy to continue to speak through the door. You've got you've to close the door. Why? Because God's grace is bigger. Like our skit said, you know, hey, I got all this, and I got this, and I'm barely going mean, to, if I'm going to make it into heaven, it's barely. Yes, if it's by our own works, if it's by our own flesh, we're not going to get in there. But there's all these things, there's all these things, there's all these things, and you look and you go, wait, where is it? Where is it? If you close the door, how do you do that? How do you begin to close the door? Well, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So you've got to own it. If you confess, you've got to own it. All right, that's a big part. Reconciliation doesn't happen unless you own your part, unless you own your wrong, unless you own what you've done. You can't absolve the debt until you're willing to own it and say, I've got this debt, I did it. I did it, all right? That's what we need. We need to be able to say, I did it. That's what confess means. You've got to be able to open your mouth and confess and say, I did this. I sinned against you, Lord. If not, you've got pride, and you don't need a Savior because you didn't do anything. So why would you need a Savior? All the people who need a Savior are those that have done something that need rescuing. You can't have forgiveness if you don't need forgiveness. Well, I don't need forgiveness. Well, then you don't need a Savior. You're yourself, Savior. See how that works for you. You think you're perfect? Ask your wife. Ask your husband. Ask your mama. Ask your children. They're going to be more honest with you. Come on. Pride holds us back. But it says if you confess, not if you beg, not if you feel guilty, not if you're ashamed of yourself, not if you lay on a bed of nails. You know, that's not, that's not what this is all about. It's that, boy, that's just too simple. That's the way it is. Galatians 4, 7, now you are no longer a slave but a child of God's own. You're, you're, you're not a slave but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. See, when Jesus came to restore Peter, he did so to restore him to a love relationship. He said, do you love me? Serving, serving doesn't flow from a love relationship with Jesus, then it's a slave. If, it's, if your serving is not flowing from a love relationship with Christ, then you're nothing more than a slave. It's nothing more than religion. But Jesus didn't come to make you a slave. He came to make you his child. And that's why it starts with a love relationship. I want to invite you into fellowship. And do you love me? Do you love me? Because it's all about this relationship with Jesus. John 1, 12 and 13. 
But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with physical birth, resulting in a human passion or plan, but the birth that comes from God. And that's what we need, to be born again. To be born again. A child of God. Jesus wanted to restore Peter completely. And he doesn't want our past mistakes and our past failures to hold us back from the first and foremost relationship with him. And so the first step is shutting down the enemy and saying, no, I have invited Jesus into my life. I have confessed my sin to the Lord. Those things are done. They are forgiven. They are gone. I'm not going to let them, I'm not going to let them get in. I'm not going to let the enemy speak those lies. And secondly, you've got to begin to step into your future. God saves you from your past so you can step into your future. If we go back into this exchange that he's having with Peter, we can see that Jesus is concerned about relationship. Peter, do you love me? And he asks these series of questions, and, and, and it's not because he doesn't know the answer. He does, because at the end, Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know all things. You know that I love you. Absolutely. And that was not a question Jesus knew. Jesus understood that despite the past, despite the failures, despite the denying, that there was something in Peter. Peter did love Jesus. He understood that. He knew what was going on but it wasn't about just that he says listen close the door on that and embrace your future take care of my sheep feed my lambs I'm calling you to shepherd I was calling you to fish now I'm calling you to shepherd I'm calling you to shepherd my people I'm calling you to let go of the past close the door on the past and embrace the future that I have for you and you know what? He's called every single one of us that he has saved. Every single one of us that have been born again. He has not just called you out of your sin, but he is calling you to something. He is calling you to a future. He is calling you to embrace what he has given you, what he has put before you. And there is a purpose and a plan that he has put before you. There is something that the Lord wants you to do in 2020. There are people that he wants you to reach in 2020. There are people that he wants you to disciple in 2020. But you're not going to be able to do that if you're still hanging on to your past. You've got to close out your past and you've got to step into the future that God has called you to. You've got you to step in. Some of you say, well, wait, what about me? I, I don't know. You don't know my past. Listen, Moses was a murderer. All right, he was a murderer. God turned around and God called him and used him to deliver his, the people of, of Israel out. Listen, David... <laughs> We, we know about David, right? David had his problems, right? He, 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 he committed adultery. Then, he, he, then he, he, he tried to cover it up by, by committing murder or moving, moving a guy to the front lines that didn't deserve it. Tried to cover it up, tried to hide it. David was far from perfect. And yet the Lord used David over and over again. Your past doesn't determine your future. And like Peter and the others, Jesus inviting you into relationship with him. He was there on shore with a breakfast ready. And the thought of the past failures may be disqualified. And so I'm going to go out and I'm just going to go back to doing what I did. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. If you will come, if you will let me, I want to restore you. I want to restore you. I've got a future for you. I've got a plan for you. I've got a future for you. But you've got to let go of some things in the past. You've got to let go of some things in the past. Because if you're going to future, if you're going to fellowship with me and embrace the future I have, you've got you to close the door as I do on that as east is from the west so I remember your sins no more come on come on you got to let that go so I want to invite the worship team to come and that's what we're going to close today by embracing the future that the Lord has for us today
But here's the questions I have for you. Do you need forgiveness today? Do you need restoration today? Do you need to evaluate your love relationship with Jesus? How is your relationship with Jesus? How is your love relationship with Jesus? Do you need to let go of the lies of the enemy and close the door on your past so that you can step forward into the future that God has promised you? Listen, friends, don't delay. Don't delay. The the time is short, and I want to invite you today to commit your life, to commit your past, to commit your day today, to commit your future to Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to let go of the past and embrace the future that Jesus has for you. Let's bow our heads today. If you're here today and you say, you know what, there are some things in my past, and you know what, I've got to let them go. There's some sin, there's some things, I've got to let them go. And I want to embrace Jesus today. I want to embrace Jesus today. Maybe you need salvation. Maybe you've never embraced Jesus But today you say, you know what, I need a Savior. I recognize I need a Savior. And that's you. And you'd say, you know what, I need a Savior. You slip up your hand today. Maybe you you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. Maybe you walked away from the Lord. Maybe you've walked away and the past just creeps up and you say, oh, the guilt. Oh, I tried that. Oh, I can't. But today Jesus is inviting you into fellowship with him. And he's saying, will you come? Will you come? Will you come? I want to restore you. I want to restore you. I want to save you. Will you come? If you're here today and that's you, maybe it's a second, maybe you just need to recommit your life to Christ. That's you. And you say, I got to let go. I got to let go. Will you slip up your hand today? Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe you're here today and there are some things that just keep replaying over and over again. Things that you feel guilty about that impact your life. Things that you keep saying, I won't, I won't, I won't. And yet you continue to step into those things and you say, you know what, I got to stop. I got to let go of that. Maybe there's a grudge. Maybe there's hurt. Maybe there's anger. Maybe there's something in your past that in order for you to move forward, you know, you know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You know you got to let that go and you need the help of the Lord today. And you say, Pastor, will you pray for me? There's some things in my past I got to let go of. There's some guilt I've been feeling I got to let go of. There's some shame I've been feeling I got to let go of. There's some things that are holding me back I got to let go of. Yeah, yeah. Come on, let's pray right now. Dear Jesus, we confess to you today our sin. Whatever it is, we confess it to you. Get personal with the Lord just there in your seat. Get personal with him. I confess it, Lord, this is, this is my sin. This is the problem in my past. This is what I regret the most. This is what I feel guilty about. This is the shame that I feel. Come on, begin to confess. Jesus, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Jesus, I've made a mistake. Jesus, I've failed in this. Jesus, I've been hurt in this. Jesus, I'm angry at you because of what this happened. And today, I'm confessing it. I'm letting you know. I'm, I'm getting it out there. And I ask you, Lord, for your forgiveness. And I ask you for your grace, and I ask you for your mercy. I ask you, Lord, to begin to free me of that thing that's been hanging on, that thing that's been holding me back. And I ask you, Lord, to give me the courage to take a step forward in the future that you have for me. I ask you to help me, Lord, to embrace what you have. Forgive me, Father, of my sin. I need your Holy Spirit to walk with me each and every day so that I can walk with you and I can move forward in what you have called me to. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's stand today and let's just...
close our time with worship. If you want prayer, maybe you want to come and deal with some things. Maybe you got some things you just need to deal with the Lord. You want to just come and kneel down. Maybe it's something you need prayer for. While we sing, will you come and just worship the Lord today? Come and seek the Lord today. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's Word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.